Meredith, Roxy, and Mary for that song. When David texted me the hymns that we were going to sing this morning for the service, he texted me the numbers, and then he said, on Mother's Day, there's not much page flipping. And it's true. He, all, he stayed in one spot, but they're good songs. Good things to remind ourselves of. Mother's Day is difficult to prepare a sermon for, because I am challenged uh, to preach a message to a group of people that I do not identify with. I'm not a mom. I'm not a woman. In case if there was any wondering there. I don't ever expect that will ever change. I should just stop while I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a mom, I'm not a woman, but I do am married to a mom, and I have a mom of my own, and I know from talking to them and lots of others that being a mom is hard. Can I have an amen? Okay. Now, today, as I talk about moms, I'm going to use the term mom loosely. I'm speaking to those who are mothers, to those who are grandmothers, to those who are great-grandmothers. I'm speaking to those who may not have children of their own, but they have spiritual children that they pour their lives into. I'm speaking to those who yearn to have children, but do not. I'm speaking to those who have had children and who have suffered their loss. I'm speaking to those whose children have moved away and those whose children are still at home. There's lots of different moms out there. I'm speaking to moms who all day, every day, are surrounded by kids tearing at them. I'm speaking to moms who all day, every day, go and earn money so that their kids can have a future. There's a lot of different types of moms, but no matter the situation, being a mom is hard. And I think about what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he said, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Being a mom is hard. Sometimes a mom grows weary in doing good. Sometimes Paul's exhortation in 2 Thessalonians applies to her. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. There are some days after I wrap up my sermon prep or my hospital visits or my counseling sessions or whatever else is keeping me away from home, and I walk in the door, and as I am about to open up the door, I hear the screams. <laughs> I take a deep breath, and I walk in, and I'm immediately confronted by one kid who is telling me all the evil things that his or her sibling had done that day. <laughs> and the same time that kid is doing that, the other kid is reciprocating the favor. And as I'm trying to sort out this hodgepodge of whatever happened today, I look up at my wife, 
and her hair is poofed out. Her eyes are big, and she's got this look of, finally, you're home. (laughs) Being a mom is very, very hard. No matter the situation that you're in, no matter the level of momhood you are at, perhaps you have leveled up and you're now at the super colossal great-grandmother stage. I've always wanted to put like a gaming illustration in there just for Brooke's sake. So there you go, Brooke. No matter the situation, no matter the level you're at, for a mother, do not grow weary in doing good. Have endurance. Our text for today is not in Galatians chapter 6, nor is it in 2 Thessalonians. Our text is in Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Paul writes in Romans 15, 5, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God of endurance. You have shown yourself, as we will see, as enduring so many things. And you look down at us, sinful, broken creatures, and you give us the ability to endure the things that we go through in our life. Thank you that you are the God who is with us, who walks with us through each and every day, each and every moment of the day, giving us strength and courage and wisdom and grace and love and long-sufferingness. Thank you that you are the God who knows our weakness and provides what we need in the moment. We are so, so grateful for that. Lord, today as we are here to study your word and learn how to live this life you've called us to live, I ask that you would give us wisdom to see you and to be in awe of you so much so that our lives would change to mimic you. And as I am up here, Lord, I ask that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. Moms, have endurance. In Romans chapter 15, verse 5, we see that God is defined as the God of endurance. He's the one who gives endurance, and he can give endurance because endurance is one of his attributes. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, we see God described as enduring. We see God's enduring love in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 34. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 34, we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is a song that King David is teaching the people of Israel. They're to sing it in a celebration when the Ark of the Covenant finally gets brought back to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. It had been taken from Israel years before under King Saul because of King Saul's sins. It had been taken by the Philistines, put into their temple, whole lots of cool stories that go on there as God proves his glory, which we will not get into. The Philistines finally said, enough's enough. We're getting rid of this ark. They send it to Israel where it 
rests in a portion of Israel called Jabesh Gilead, and it stays there until King David tries to take the ark. They sin. They don't follow God's instructions. The ark has to go back there. Then finally, the ark is coming to Jerusalem, and they have this huge celebration. In the middle of this celebration, as the ark comes to Jerusalem, in the way that God had told them to do it, they sing about God's enduring love. They know about God's enduring love because they've seen it firsthand. The ark was away from Jerusalem for all these years because of their sin, and yet God never turned his back on them. His love endured. They know of God's enduring love because they heard it from their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents who saw it firsthand as God rescued Israel out of Egypt and he stayed with a people through the wilderness, a people who were continually complaining against him like little kids, rebelling against his ways and his laws like little kids. But God had made a covenant with Israel, a covenant of love, and he never turned away from that covenant no matter what Israel did. His love endured forever. In the Bible, not only do we see God's enduring love, but we see his enduring righteousness his enduring righteousness in Psalm 111, verse 3. Psalm 111, verse 3, David writes, Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. This verse is saying that the standard which God sets by his character never changes. He always does what's right, no matter who he's dealing with. In this psalm, Psalm 111, the writer is discussing the work of creation. And he talks about God's provision for his people through creation. He talks about God's uh, justice on his enemies and he justice against those who act against him. He mentions God's redemption based upon his covenant. All these things that proves God's righteousness. And the people of Israel saw this throughout their existence. He saw, they saw God's righteousness. When they turned from God, they felt God's discipline. If you read some of, the, some of the writings of the Jewish authors during the time of Jesus and a little before, they always talk about how gracious their God is because their God disciplines them in righteousness instead of letting them do whatever they want to do. God is a God who is righteous. He was righteous to the point of kicking them out of the land. But when they repented, he restored them back, providing everything that they needed. Ultimately, the people of Israel saw God's righteousness as they saw Jesus hanging on the cross. The righteous for the unrighteous, that all who believe might have life in his name. God's righteousness on display. God's enduring love, God's enduring righteousness. We see God's enduring faithfulness in Psalm 117, verse 2. Psalm 117, verse 2, we read, For great is his love toward us, and, his faith, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 117 is one of the shortest psalms, incidentally, but its message is very powerful. The psalmist says that God's faithfulness endures forever, that God's ability to be trusted endures forever. This word faithfulness or trustworthiness speaks of a firmness or certainty. This word is used for an infant resting in the arms of its parent. The infant is resting peacefully because it feels safe. 
It feels the strength of the arms. It smells the odor of its parent. It hears the heartbeat and feels the warmth, and it relaxes because it knows it's in a place where no harm will come. You give that child to someone else, and the child realizes it's not in its mommy's arms anymore, and it starts screaming because it doesn't feel safe. This is the word that's going on, that God is faithful. He is safe. We can rest in his arms because we know that he will carry us in strength and certainty. When a child grows up, it will immediately run to its parents. When it's a toddler in elementary school, and when it gets hurt because it knows that there's safety and peace there. And then when a child grows up even further and becomes an adult, child realizes that his parent is not as strong as he thought and the parent can't lift him through all of the pains of this life and there's a brokenness there but with God that point never comes because God's faithfulness God's trustworthiness God's certainty and strength never ends it endures he never lets us down. God's love endures. God's righteousness endures. God's faithfulness endures. We see God's enduring law in Psalm 119, verse 91. Psalm 119, verse 91, the psalmist says, your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. God's law endures forever. The law that the psalmist is talking about here, it includes what we call the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, and everything else that's given in Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. But it also includes, that's just a portion of it, it includes all of God's moral code since the beginning of creation. It's the standard by which God calls all humans to live by. Those who don't meet that standard we call sinners. They fall short of the glory of God, that standard. The psalmist says that God's law endures, the standard. It does not change. It perseveres in spite of all that humanity tries to do. The Israelites throughout their existence, from when God called them out of Egypt until today, keep saying, oh, God doesn't care really. Sure, he gave us these suggestions, but I want to do my own thing. The nations around us are changing their tithing and offering laws, therefore, we're going to do that too. The nations around us are worshiping other gods, therefore, we're going to do that too. The nations around us are using prostitutes for their worship, we're going to do that too. The nations around us are killing their children, we're going to do that too. Over and over and over again, the people of Israel were changing God's law, but his law stayed the same and they would be judged by that law. We as humans so often look at the Bible and what it clearly says and we want to change it. We say things like, oh, that was just cultural. Oh, the word doesn't actually mean that. Oh, if we, you know, we could probably just tweak the sentence structure a little bit and make it say what we wanted to say. You, you know, it'd be easier if we just disregarded it. My life would be happier if I just put that in the little closet over there and never look at it again. Wouldn't it be more loving if we lived like this instead of what God said? I might lose a friend if I actually hold this standard. There's so many things that we say. 
to change and try to twist the law of God, but no matter what we as humans say, God's law endures. No matter how we try to twist the standard, His law endures. And all of humanity will be judged by that law. Whether we acknowledge it, whether we believe it, we will be judged by it. God's law endures. His faithfulness endures. His righteousness endures. His love endures. Finally, we see his enduring name. His enduring name. Psalm 135, verse 13. Psalm 135, verse 13, we read, Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, Lord, through all generations. This is the all-encompassing point. It applies to everything I've said before and everything that I won't say because I don't have time. In this culture, one's name stood for one's identity and one's character. If you think about Moses, after God met Moses on the burning bush and declared his name to Moses, after God sent all the plagues on the people of Israel, after God led Israel out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai, gave them the law, after Israel turned away and worshipped the calves and God disciplined them, after all of that, Moses comes to God and says, God, I want to see your face. I want to get comfort from you because my life's in turmoil. Let me see your face. And God tells Moses to go up on Mount Sinai. And on the top of Mount Sinai, he would pass in front of him and declare his name. In Exodus 33, verses 19 to 20, God says to Moses in Exodus 33, 19 to 20, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And so God comes up, Moses comes up to Mount Sinai, God passes in front of him, holds his hand over his face so he won't see him, but he declares his name. And what is the name that he declares? In Exodus 34, verses 5 to 7, he passes in front of Moses and proclaims the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. He declares his name, and his name was his character, who he was. God's name, his character, his essence never changes. No matter what we think, no matter what we do, no matter what we feel, God's name, his character, his essence never changes, which is why his love, his righteousness, his faithfulness, his law, and every single thing else endures because God himself endures. God is the God of endurance. We, as his people, if we confess to be his followers, to have turned from our sin and trusted in Christ alone for our salvation, if we confess to be his, we are called to be an image of God. We are called to show his character to those around us. So mothers and everyone else who is here, if God is a God of endurance, we are to be people of endurance as well. That is who we are to be. Thankfully, as our text says in Romans chapter 15, verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, not only is God the God of endurance, but he is the God who gives endurance. 
And so with his help, we can live lives of endurance. Let us discuss some practical ways that we can live these lives of endurance. First, we can endure in love. We can endure in love. Paul said in Romans 15 verse 5, the God who gives endurance and encouragement may give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. What was this attitude of mind? The context of Romans 15 is that Jesus is working for the good of those around him instead of his own good. In fact, he worked for the good of those who were insulting him. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. But not only did Jesus lay down his life, not only did he die for his, his friends, but Romans chapter 5 tells us that he died for those who declared themselves his enemies. He worked for the good of everyone. In the same way, we are to endure in love the, the way that Jesus did. As mothers, there's two spheres of influence in your life that define you every single day as a mom. The first sphere, circle, is your kids. The second sphere or circle is your husband. Both of these, every single day, define who you are as a mom. Let's think about your kids. What does it mean to endure in love towards your kids as Jesus did? It means that you act towards them based upon what is best for them, regardless of their attitude, regardless of what they've just said, regardless of what they've just did. You have a commitment before God as a mother to love them and work for the best to the work toward to them for the best that I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Supposed to do good towards them what they need. Good. How do I know that we're supposed to do this? The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verses 3 to 4, Titus chapter 2 verses 3 to 4, it's interesting small phrase that it's easy to blip over. It says, likewise teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children. The idea that's coming out of the word that's used here for love and directed towards the children, it flows, the idea that flows out is that of caring for our children, nurturing them, embracing them, meeting their needs, and tenderly befriending each one as a unique gift from the hand of God. So when our kids, no matter their age, are acting like creatures from hell, Instead of reacting based upon what they are feeling, we are to look them straight in the eyes, grit our teeth in our hands, and say that this person is a unique gift from the hand of God. How can I do good by them and show them their value before God? This requires gentleness and understanding beyond ourselves. As the kids get older and become more more and more and adults and finally move out on their own, this becomes even more challenging because meeting their needs, doing good by them, might mean not meeting what they think are their needs. But we are to endure in love, in the mindset of Jesus, blessing those who revile us even when we don't feel like it. Moms are to endure in love towards their kids of all ages. Now, that's the kids. Let's talk about the husbands. 
I might be a little biased by this, but please, forget that I'm a husband. What does it mean to endure in love towards your husband as Jesus endured in love? Titus, in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, is the only verse in the Bible that says, wives, love your husbands. In Ephesians and Colossians, it talks about respecting and honoring your husband, but it's all wrapped together in that. Love, respect, honor. It's not easy to do. As you all know, as I said, I'm a husband. I can only imagine the pain that Maggie goes through some days having to love and respect me because I am a human. I am broken I am sinful. If it was easy to love and respect one's husband, the Bible wouldn't command it. But it does, because it is not easy. It is not something we naturally do. And wives, you are to love your husbands, and you are to love them by respecting them. These commands for love and respect are not based upon your husband's actions or how he treats you. He is a man He is a human, he is broken, he is sinful, and we can all agree that your husband does not deserve your love, nor does your husband deserve your respect. Hey, thank you, I got one amen out of that. (laughs) Does anyone else want to voice that? Anyone else want to voice that? I'll give you this moment, free space. Okay. But you're called to give him what he does not deserve. Because that's what Jesus did. He died on the cross and gave us the love that we do not deserve. So wives, you get to show Christ by turning around and showing that love to this man who does not deserve it. Turn around and show this respect to this man who does not deserve it. So simply put, you love him, you do, you are to work for his good in spite of what he's doing. Not because of him, but because of Christ. And Christ gets to shine through you in an amazing, miraculous way. The salvation gets to be shown through you in a way that nothing else in creation can be shown. You respect him. It means you you lift him up. You You go out of your way to talk good about him to his face and when he's not there, to your kids or to your friends. You go out of your way to talk good and lift him up. You might say, but I don't know anything good to say about my husband. Come and talk to me. He's not Hitler. I can find something that you can say good. And the more you practice that respect, the more you lift him up, it's amazing he'll start living like what you are talking about. He'll reflect that. Enduring in love. The important thing is that we obey God. And his command is to endure in love, endure in respect. Not only should we endure in love, but we should endure in righteousness. We should endure in righteousness. Paul wrote in Romans 15:5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. What was this mindset? Paul writes about this mindset in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul is speaking of Jesus' humility and his obedience to God. That is the mindset, a mindset of humility and obedience. We are to turn around and live this mindset of obedience and humility out wherever we are, with our kids, with our husbands, with our friends, with the rest of our family. We're to have a mindset of humility and obedience. In short, we are to pursue righteousness in our dealings with God and each other. This righteousness takes endurance because left to ourselves, we do not want to be righteous. Here's a case in point. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 9. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9, Peter writes to the Christians, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing." Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. This is God telling us how we are to behave towards everyone, including our spouse and our kids. So, picture yourself as a parent of a teenager. I'm not there yet. Knowing my kids, it is going to be quite the trip. Think about a conversation with a teenager. Uh, think about a conversation when we're walking in the flesh instead of in Christ's righteousness. And how often, when we're talking with this teenager, do we want to be sympathetic and compassionate with them? More often than not, we don't. We want to reach out, grab them by the throat, and shake some sense into them. And you know, if we think about it hard enough, we could kind of convince ourselves that we're actually doing the right thing by them, because someone needs to do it, and it might as well be us. But in doing that, we are sinning against God. He has called us to live in, with sympathy, compassion, and humility, no matter who we are dealing with. Let's look at another passage, Titus chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Titus 3, verses 1 to 2, he says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. God tells us that we're to be gentle towards everyone. This word gentleness speaks of our attitude and behavior towards other people. Does anyone know the opposite of being gentle? Someone's just like, quack! Okay, yeah, that, that's the extreme case. Anyone, anyone want to throw out another option of being opposite of gentle? Harsh, yes. The option of gentle is harsh in our dealings. And it is very, very easy to be harsh. It is so easy to yell and raise our voice when we're not getting what we want. And as, par- as parents and as adults, we often don't get what we want. It's easy to use our words to bite and cut down those around us, including our kids and our grandkids. But when we do that, Paul is saying that that is sin. We could excuse our actions saying that we're tired or that what our child or husband did was the straw that broke the camel's back. We could say, oh, but I didn't respond as badly as I could have. I was actually holding myself back. But no matter what we say, those are all lies. All lies. Because it's sin. No matter how we try to reword it. 
It's against the character of God, no matter how we try to reword it. God has called us to be gentle, peaceable, and considerate. And that requires endurance. I'm thankful, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he said, when you are tempted, no matter what the temptation is, even as a temptation to be harsh, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. We as people, no matter we're moms, dads, or anything else, we need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is who I am like naturally, and it is wrong. And I will declare before God, myself, and anyone within earshot that this is wrong. And I'm not going to live that way anymore. This is what God has called me to be. And no matter what I'm feeling, no matter how tired I am, no matter the circumstances, no matter what this child or this person has done, I'm going to endure in righteousness for the glory of God and the witness to those around me. We are to endure in righteousness. We are to endure in love. We could talk about enduring in faithfulness. We could talk about enduring in law. We could talk about enduring in our identity. But I don't have time because the clock mocks me. I need to get done so Brooke can come up and teach Sunday school. But real quickly, I need to talk about why. Why are we to be people of endurance? Why are we to be people of endurance? We are to be people of endurance so that people might see the God of endurance through us. I find it interesting that Paul wrote to Timothy in his last letter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy 3, 10, he said, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Timothy knew Paul's life. He had an example of what godliness looked like. And Paul urges him, based upon this example, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know those things from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's life, including his endurance in godliness and faith, was a reason by which Timothy is convinced about the truths of Scripture. He's able to look at Paul and say, Paul's able to endure through so many things in godliness, therefore Scripture must be true. Earlier in this letter, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, 2 Timothy 2.10, Paul says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul lived with endurance, not just around Timothy, but around everyone, so that those around him might know God. So let's look at ourselves. Who's watching in our life? Today's Mother's Day, so I must ask it to mothers, but all of us can answer this. Mothers, those who have kids and those of you influence the kids of others, do those who are watching know God through your endurance? Or is your lack of love, lack of righteousness, lack of faithfulness, and all these other things clouding their vision of who God is and what salvation is? Mothers, your endurance is to be an example to those who are watching. Your kids and those around you who look up to you should know how to love their own kids one day in a godly way through your example. So is your example accurate? 
Mothers, your kids and those who look up to you should know how to love and respect their spouse in a godly way through your example. So is your example to them and how you love and respect your spouse accurate so they can follow in your footsteps? Mothers, your kids and those who look up to you should know how to endure in righteousness, living against their own fleshly desires, living in sympathy and gentleness along with other fruits of the Spirit. So is your example accurate? In short, do those around you see God in you? And if you look at these questions and you say, I don't know, I ask that you have the humility to ask someone close to you and have the graciousness to listen and accept the answer so that we can all grow in godliness. Being a mom is very hard because everything is warring against you to not live in godliness but to live according to your own, our own flesh and nature and the world and culture around us. Do not grow weary in doing good. If you look at yourself and you say, I have blown it, I've not done a good job. I'm grateful that not only is God the God of endurance, but God is the God of grace. And everything we can look at ourselves and our lives and our past lives and we say, that was wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong, God looks at it and says, but Jesus died for that. Jesus died for that. Jesus died for that. It's all paid for. It's in the past. If we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, it is covered. And God looks at us and says, that's in the past. Don't let it define you, but don't live in the past. Seize the future and seize the mindset of Christ starting today, going into tomorrow. Will you pray with me? Father, Thank you that you are the God of endurance and the God of grace. That when you call us to live a radical life in a way that is completely against our own nature and the culture around us, you give us the tools and the strength and the wisdom and the endurance to live it. Thank you for that. Lord, I want to thank you for all the mothers who are represented in this room and the mothers who are out traveling. Bless them for how they show who you are in a way that nothing else in this world can. Give them endurance, Lord. And give them joy as they reflect on all the people that they have showered their love and the nurture on. And Father, help all of us who are not moms to know how to lift up and encourage and empower the moms in our lives to be the people you have called them to be for your honor and your glory until you finally call us home. Thanks, Father. Amen.